Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. So we had a great time on Friday at the Disappearing Patron Party. Yes. I did. Actually, I counted champagne as half a drink. So I had a cocktail and two glasses of champagne. And although I felt like I held my own, I did. My cheeks get red. I'm going to have to wear more makeup. But no one will ever see that. Thank goodness. I love that it disappears. But There's uh, a friend so- of mine that was like, a friend of mine is an Asian guy when I was in high school and college. Every time that he drank, his face turned bright red. There was no hiding that he had consumed alcohol from his dad. Yeah, they ha- there's a thing that supposedly is prominent in Asian communities where they lack the enzyme for yes. metabolizing alcohol. I guess it wasn't kind of evolutionarily present. Anyway, so I wanted to thank all the patrons who joined just to show up for the disappearing patron party and for all the patrons who join, uh, even if they don't use all the extra content. For anybody who joins, any patron who joins for $5 a month, you always get 15 extra minutes for every Drive Time News Blast and a couple of disappearing patron parties every month, first and third Friday. But even if you just want to support the show, feel free to uh, become a patron. So I just wanted to thank people for that. Had a good time. A lot of people showed up. I loved that. And They're a blast, too. They're an absolute blast. They've been a lot of fun. Great questions. Great interaction. Yes. My goal is that every person who shows up and makes a comment we can read at least one comment from so that's going to be our new goal is to make it as interactive as possible because that's what makes it fun and it's our only opportunity to actually interact with people so the top story today is that well there are a lot of top stories but one of them addresses the protests there have been uh, everything from the michigan um is it the Michigan governor who said that it was uh, racist? That yes, the, Gretchen that the Whitmore. People, yeah, that all the people showing up, they were bringing their Confederate flags. It was a callback to the most racist period in our history. Oklahoma changed their mask requirement immediately because of threats of violence. Michigan, this is funny. Michigan, that's not funny, but there's an article that Michigan is trying to determine if a security guard at a store was killed over a dispute about a mask. And the article I read had absolutely no facts whatsoever that would indicate that it had anything to do with the mask, why they were looking at that. And it just reminds me of stuff that's been going off half cocked before the data is in because they want to get those scare memes out there before they can be debunked. And I have a big story about that and asymptomatic viral shedders, but that might be a little too much for right out of the game. So it, they're attributing this violence to the mask issue in a similar way that they're attributing all illness to COVID, it sounds like. It, it looks like it. I mean, I don't know. In that case, I would say like the security guard, because there was just nothing there. So if there's a mask involved, it's about the mask. Then they... I didn't. I couldn't determine. I didn't get a chance to read the whole article, but but whether this was like a setup or what. But in California, a heckler said to an anchor, "Take your mask off," like on a newscast during a newscast, which of course like makes this an issue not about liberty, but about about dominance, domination. I noticed some of that doing bullying. The, yeah, 
and there was another bullying thing I'll tell you about right here in a second. But that's I've seen these reporters doing reports with masks on, muffled voice. It's it's a virtue signal. It's a total virtue signal. Yeah, modeling I mean, the behavior. Only, how close are they? You can tell. So that's what I was wondering. Is like, are they six feet from the camera? Man? But I've seen the camera pan back and pan forward. And it just doesn't look like, and then like turn from side to side to like show a whole beach or whatever. And it looks like the camera is not six feet. I mean, that's pretty close. Sometimes they are like on those on the spot things. They don't that have would be to the be reason. Though. They don't have to. Yeah, be that would be the reason. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The other story I saw related to that was it was like a park ranger or something who got shoved into the, the lake over the, oh, over the social distancing. He was like policing social distancing in the park or something. So a couple people shoved him into the lake. Wow. Violating well, his social distance with a fish. What are you going to do? I and know. They, and they do. They have been talking about cops violating social distance to enforce mask rules and stuff. And there was a leak, a quote leak, of a bunch of names, a list of names of people who were snitching on their neighbors. There was a there people I, snitches yeah. are being doxxed. Snitches were doxxed. Yeah, doxed. Yes. <laughs> doxed. Yes. That's funny. So it's interesting that Michigan is where that governor said all that stuff. And that is where a black, I realize now the security guard, I think, was black, who was, who may or may not have been killed in a dispute that may or may not have been over a mask. And isn't that the use? It was the Michigan governor who said that the protesters are racist. Yes. She said that. They were racist. They're, well, they were calling back to the most racist period in our history. Yeah, and there were people thought. there who had Nazi symbols on flags, allegedly. There was images. I know before at some of the earlier protests, there was doctored images depicting people as having Nazi but symbols. But how hard is it to get some agent provocateur? You can get people to, to do it also. It could be an agent provocateur. It could also be cooked up these nazis and and the communists and the far left and right they know that anytime there's a legitimate protest that they can go attach themselves to it they can go they can go almost co-opt it simply by showing up because the media will focus on that tiny tiny percentage of radicals there that have the nazi symbols over everyone else and it'll make it look like the representative of the whole group they're not but that's a way for those groups to attach themselves to legitimate movements and one thing that's that's always like often you find people talking out of both sides of their mouths. And I totally agree with the other side of the coin, which is the lockdown is it's regressive. You could call it like regressive is generally correlated with racial inequality. So if more people of color are in the lower echelons of the economic strata, then anything that's economically regressive has a racist impact a racially skewed impact. And this is absolutely positively. I mean, it's actually like most kind of welfare programs. It it's the middle class does get hit the most. So it's the people who are making below average wages under $15 an hour are making more are making like double under these circumstances. The people who were making 15 or more are making less than they normally do. And the small businesses are getting absolutely decimated. Of course, a friend of mine who, who runs a restaurant was saying, and he's not thinking, it, he's just like, he knows who his senator is. He's communicating with them. He's trying to get this to work. He's talking to his bank. He's not like going down a rabbit hole. He is trying to save 27 years of work. And he said, 
that the that the debt system for him is a trap. He's like, I you have to spend this money within like um, I don't know if it's a couple of weeks or a couple of months uh, of receiving it. It says it must be spent within two months of receiving it in order for the loan, the payroll loan to be forgiven. But he said where he is, he's not allowed to open his restaurant. And when he was doing takeout stuff, he was absolutely underwater on a daily basis. It was not even covering the variable costs. So I had read an article that also said today that loan forgiveness is going to be tricky. The the rules are not clear about what, how you have to spend this money. So it's just like, and they say in the Dust Bowl in Oklahoma and the Depression, that the small farmers were given these generous loans. And then when they defaulted on them, the big businesses just took them all over. And it was kind of like a real turning point for the family farm. And similarly, I used to talk to, I've talked to some contractors in 2008 who said right before that there were these huge loan incentives for them to buy more equipment, bigger trucks. Um, and so, and then the housing market completely collapsed. So they had all this equipment they couldn't use and huge loans that they couldn't pay. And so a lot of them had to actually declare bankruptcy. So a, 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 business that maybe could shutter for a while and reopen later, if they go for this and t- I don't know, like, don't, don't look at me to say, oh, she said, don't go for it. I really don't know. I, you have to absolutely, all I suggest is that you really, really understand the rules of, of the debt that you're taking on and see how, if you're, if it's going to make financial sense, like always get out your Excel spreadsheet because, and make sure you understand the risks you're taking because this thing can be a real setup. Yeah. And it's going to be difficult for especially restaurants and other businesses to make money and adhere to the requirements of social distancing because they're not going to be able to have as many customers in and out. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and the to-go stuff just isn't doing it for everybody. Yeah. Some, some are more set up for that than others. Yeah. So Whitmore, Gretchen Whitmore, the governor of Michigan, was on State of the Union with Jake, Jake Tapper this weekend. And he was talking to her about her comments that the, she referred to them as Nazis and she compared them to the Trump had said that the people protesting were like they were good, they were nice people. So she compared that to the fine people, <laughs> the infamous fine people thing that wasn't back in the Charlottesville thing. And Tapper asked if that was a fair comparison. And she's responding to this question very seriously, has very stern look on her face, saying very racism in this country and structural racism and being very serious. Meanwhile, the image on the screen, because she's doing it from home, has some sort of glitch. To me, I'd have to go back and look at it again, but it looked like some sort of green screen glitch. Because if you are in front of a green screen and the lighting is a little bit off, it could switch you from being in space to making every color in the thing look off. And her face was like smeared red color. like She looked like a character out of They Live when the sunglasses are coming off because of the way the image was all distorted. And she's just talking very serious. And wow, you can't interesting. Even, you got this person who looks like an alien on there. And then at the end yeah. of Jake Tapper was like, we want to apologize for the visual problems there. Mm. We could hear her message clearly, but we're sorry about the visual problems. Mm, it's just interesting to see the adjustments, maybe some intentional, maybe some unintentional. Yeah, they probably made. should have turned the video off. Why did they keep it flowing? That's a they, great they point. They could talk to people. Yeah, they could have turned it off. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they should have done that. Hmm, interesting. Well, she was also asked about something else I noticed over the weekend, and that is the Biden allegations Again, for, that Tara Reid made against Joe Biden, the sexual assault allegations, which got a lot more attention over the weekend than it has been getting. And 
perhaps in a bit of a surprising way for some people because MSNBC, Chris Hayes, Mika Brzezinski both went after Biden pretty hard. Jake Tapper, he asked Whitmore if the he asked Whitmore if these allegations, if she believed the woman or if she believed Joe Biden. She believes Joe Biden. And he asked if that's a contradiction because she believed the woman in the case of Kavanaugh. And then Tapper said, well, there's more cooperation here in this allegation than there was in Christie Blasey Ford's allegations against Kavanaugh. He said that. And she didn't really have much of an answer to it, but her response ultimately was to say that as a victim or as a survivor, we are tired of having to comment on every sexual assault allegation out there. So she made it into a you're, you're victimizing me once again question simply to ask what her thoughts were on, on that situation because her thoughts were contradictory to the previous ones. And I'm curious where this is going and i think that i think that we're starting to see a signal that perhaps they are going to remove joe biden perhaps they're going to wait till the convention perhaps they're the dnc is going to select someone else because they are signaling to the public right now that joe biden he does not look good by the way they're talking about him nobody talked good about him on any network so there's a theory out there there's a couple theories there's the michelle obama theory the stacey abrams and all that but another one popped up this weekend that is the dnc is going to put Hillary Clinton in with her vice presidential candidate being Barack Obama. See, that's just unconstitutional. I mean, it's just, he cannot take over that role of president. And they started that conversation in the articles I've read about it, where it said, we already have a constitutional lawyer who's out there saying that this can be done because the key word in the Constitution is elected. And The vice president is considered elected. Yeah. Their argument. I mean, it is. I've looked into this before because it's such a ridiculous thing. But yeah. it goes right along with what I've said is that there's always a question of legitimacy for every single presidential there you election. Go. Right. And there was one before and there will be there would be now there was one for. And that also goes to my thinking that it's not always totally they don't have to pick the actual winner. They can just make sure that everybody in the pool is their guy and has legitimacy issues nowadays. Yep. Yeah. Even in the New York Times today, there was the headline was the Dems it's time to consider plan B. This was also featured on CNN, so they're really starting to push this. Yeah. So, I um, my guess is, you know, and I used to tell that to Ted Cruz supporters, I'm like, you are creating a constitutional the potential for a constitutional crisis if your guys wins. Like you do not want this. They the Republicans should be vetting this now, and they're not. So I smell a rat with that kind of thing. Interesting. All right. We will uh, talk about this a little bit more right after this. Today's show is brought to you by Neighbors Feed and Seed. While other states like Michigan have deemed seed suppliers to be non-essential businesses, that's not the case here in Georgia. And with a lot of us spending more time at home than usual right now, there's no better time to get all of your gardening needs taken care of. And if you're anything like me, then you don't know how to grow a thing in your yard, but you want to learn. Neighbors Feed and Seed has a knowledgeable staff that will give you fantastic advice on how to grow anything. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of. And the best part about it is that they are locally owned by a fantastic group of people. So if you're in the Smyrna area, stop by Neighbors Feed and Seed and say hello. Or check out their website at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. And tell them the Propaganda Report sent you. On an unrelated topic, (laughs) did you want to keep talking about that? No, that's all I had on that. 
All right, so uh, Missouri is opening phase one. They're not the only place, but just uh, what they said was that they the way they were going to do it, and this sounds like beyond phase one to me, no limits of the size of their gathering. It didn't look like they were limiting anything they were opening, including places of worship and restaurants, as long as the six-foot minimum distance is met. Now, if you're coming in with somebody, like a roommate, like how do they decide that you're not allowed to sit at the same table. That's I don't know. a great know. question. And then they said it's going to be till May 31st and that their four kind of pillars of this thing are that they are in the position to expand testing, which of course is going to expand positives. That's what, I mean, every art, I read an article today, like the, te- the positive test uh, cases in this town, whatever, spiked. And then in the article, it says because testing spiked. The second thing was they were going to expand personal protective equipment. The third thing that they were going to keep an eye on um, hospital bed capacity to make sure there wasn't stresses on that system, which I think is always a reasonable thing to do. And they want to get ahead of hotspots, COVID hotspots. So sounds like they're doing all the right things as far as progressing. But it also looks to me like if they're going to expand testing, they are going to expand positives. And then it's going to be hard to say they're ready for phase two. But I don't know how this thing is scripted out at this point. Yeah, we are starting to see the narrative of increasing cases here in Georgia, which we are the first test example. Although there's like, I think, like 35 states or something have started to kind of open back up. But there's this count, there's this competing narrative of states opening back up versus states starting to enforce the shutdowns in a more stricter way, like out in California mm-hmm. and stuff, arresting people and stuff like that. Meanwhile, in Georgia, the first day of the, the open back up, there's a line outside of a shoe store at Greenbrier Mall. Of course, you can only have a certain amount of people inside, people trying to buy the Air Jordans because of the new Jordan documentary that's out right now. There were apparently some like drag racing, like groups of hundreds of people around Atlanta that got broken up by the cops there was drag racing yeah why why is that something that was not happening i don't know it seems like it would have been better to happen when the shutdown was going on yeah and people out in parks and stuff there's also a contact tracing app being tested in three georgia counties and i think we're having different states do different things so that there can be different tests i think it's different social experiments in these in these states to see how the the strict the draconian measures affect the public and how they react after they're released that way they can they can filter the data through whatever algorithm they have and then apply it in a more blanket fashion perhaps next time this happens lost my train of thought <laughs> there it is okay the, the numbers thing contact tracing okay app. yes stelter had an expert on over the weekend unreliable sources the most unreliable source on television and this person was there specifically to quote debunk the far right-wing conspiracy theory crazy 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 conspiracy theory that the death numbers the covid death numbers are being Overcounted. This is just an insane theory. Crazy, according to him. It's just simply not true. Everything Brian Stelter says all of this before having the guest on. It's simply not true. Now, here's my guest expert to prove it's not true. And the way he phrased the question to her was, it was phrased about, are the COVID deaths, deaths from COVID, are they being overcounted? This is crazy. Tell them that this is crazy. She responds with this long, drawn-out scientific words uh, explanation that proves nothing, and then she finishes it off by saying, so absolutely, people who are dying with COVID, the numbers are not being overreported. So he said from... <laughs> of course, yeah. Remember we read that, that statistic, the, the quote from Italy? 
not in width. So it was a very sly thing, and it was very intentional. She did not answer the specific question the way he asked. He knows that. She answered it in the way where she could have plausible deniability. It's deceptive. It's insidious. And it, it's just unbelievable how willing these people are to blatantly lie to the public. Oh, have I got an example for you? I didn't even tell you about this. But JJ Boogie sent me, tweeted at me, which I retweeted actually like a couple of times. The more I read it, I was like, oh, this is nuts. It was an article from like February 4th that said that the Robert Koch Institute in Germany, which is their like National Institute for Health, but that's the guy who is the kind of father of germ theory. And he has his postulates of how you determine whether a disease Um, is caused by a microbe or not. And this idea of dying with COVID instead of of COVID flies right in the face of his postulates. But they corrected the national, the New England Journal of Medicine, which is very well respected, from their January 30th article just a few days before, which said that, that that it was the definitive, it was the definitive um, statement as to the fact that an asymptomatic person who came from China had a meeting in Germany, gave COVID to the four people she was with and did not get symptoms until she was on her way home again. And at that time, so that was January 30th. And, uh, on, on January 31st, there's a headline on CNN. There's no doubt Top U.S. infectious disease doctor says Wuhan coronavirus can spread even when people have no symptoms. And it says there's no doubt after reading this paper in the New England Journal of Medicine that asymptomatic transmission is occurring, said Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. This study lays the question to rest. A few short days later, Germany came out and said that the New England Journal of Medicine did not speak to that woman. It talked to the four people who got it from her, and they said that they didn't notice any symptoms. But she said she was symptomatic, and she was taking medicine for it. She was taking a fever reducer. She had muscle aches. So you're taking a fever reducer. You have a fever, you know, or you think you do. She had flu-like symptoms. So then I was, I'd actually already had opened my browser, and I was uh, investigating um, a wor- something that one of those doctors threw out, the Kern County doctors with the viral video that's being somewhat suppressed, said uh, that he kind of shrugged off, sloughed off the um, question about an asymptomatic viral shedder. So an asymptomatic viral shedder is somebody who, if you swab their nose, you can find the virus, but they have no symptoms. So as I usually do, I do a search before the current year so that I can make sure it's not tainted by the current news and propaganda. And I found a study from 2018. It was published in December of 2018 where they took a sample of like something like 2,800 people in New York at Times Square or someplace like that. And they just tested everybody for viruses. They found that 2% of those people tested positive for C-O-V, so coronavirus, 2% of those people tested positive for coronavirus in that at that time. Half of them exhibited symptoms and half of them did not. And the question is, in everything I studied about asymptomatic viral shedders, every study said more, more research needs to be done because although you can detect the virus in the nasal passage, if you're not coughing and... Now, this is my... Um, I'm 
thinking this is why they need to have more study. If you're not coughing and sneezing, which is how a virus transmits itself to, uh, that's one of the reasons that, that that viruses that can transmit that way do get transmitted that way. Because if you're coughing and sneezing, that's how it gets into the air. So if you don't have symptoms, I, I think it stands to reason it's way, way less likely that you're going to transmit it. So nothing is definitive that those people can actually transmit. Then I saw in Missouri over the weekend that 370 workers at a pork plant there out of 1,200 tested, tested positive for COVID-19. So um, that's 25% of the workers that were tested, tested positive. They were all asymptomatic. They were all asymptomatic. So when I go back and look at this 2018 study where a really, truly random sample, people weren't sick or not sick, whatever, they just got 2,800 people who were walking by and half of them were symptomatic, half of them were asymptomatic. So this is extremely unusual. And it makes me wonder, you know, kind of goes into my basket of, do these tests have any correlation with the disease at all? I mean, it would be, it's a totally different, if you've got 25% of the people testing positive and none of them are symptomatic, that is not consistent with previous um, testing and samples. And I just, I, you know, I just, I want more, I want to see if the tests have gotten any better since the initial ones that were clearly flawed and not actually trying to find a virus that could be purified. Yeah. And this idea, this narrative of asymptomatic people, and I know that there can be asymptomatic people. Well, I mean, I don't know the science of it, but I understand. Oh, there are the definitely asymptomatic people asymptomatic who have people. it. Yeah. However, but can they spread it? The more we convince people that ninety percent, ninety-five percent of these people are asymptomatic for some disease, then the more you can convince people that they have something that might not even, you know, you you can just yeah. convince them they have absolutely anything. Right. And then there's also the idea of the fatality, right? So you care about infectiousness and you care about fatality rates. And JJ Buggy again sent me an article that had uh, that there was roughly 500 out of 9,000. There were 9,000 people hospitalized for COVID in this study. 500 of them died before they could get out. And the other 8,500, I'm rounding the numbers. In they looked at the comorbidities and they found that if you were over 65, your risk of death was double. If you have coronary artery disease, your risk of death was double. If you have heart failure, which sounds like death in itself, but I guess that's a technical term, your risk was tripled. If you had cardiac arrhythmia, your risk of death was doubled. If you have COPD, your risk of death is tripled. If you have, if you're a smoker, your risk of death is doubled. So these kind of things do indicate that the comorbidities are very important that like the co-postulates where if you take the disease and you give it to somebody healthy, they will get the disease. You know, the infectiousness, the fatality rates, they, they make a difference. And I, the only reason I'm harping on this stuff is the way they're on, they're opening up places, the way they're deciding if it's successful or not. I mean, that's what I'm worried about. They're going to open places up and they are going to make a determination whether the opening up what created more disease. And by the way they test it, if these tests are so uncorrelated that you can get 25% of the people test positive and none of them have symptoms, is that really the right way to determine whether you shouldn't be open anymore? What if everybody has it? No one has symptoms. Isn't that fine? Isn't it kind of like uh, I? Eye mites, eyelash mites, like, you know, it just everyone has eyelash mites and it doesn't matter. 
it's set up in a way where it's so confusing and we're supposed to just defer so much to what the scientists, what these experts tell us, even though what they tell us has not been consistent and it, it's in conflict with other experts. Some experts get you know, dismissed. Others are held up as the holy grail like Dr. Fauci. And this is just setting it up for them to be able to tell the public whatever they want. So the narrative, the foundation totally. is laid and they can say anything and that's half of the public I, will go along with it. That's why it doesn't, that's why when they're, they're setting up these different states to have different approaches and um, probably setting up the protesters as, or the mask resistors as yeah. being a part of the problem they can because they can spin the numbers any way they want and that the numbers are are approached differently at the state level like that's another thing if you're going to interpolate or you're going to try to take an example of one state and their reaction and say see when you have liberty lovers protesting you have a bigger problem they don't follow up like with the 50 state comparison of how the tests are administered, what tests are being used. There's no apples to apples comparisons, which is not only a way of not actually getting the information, but it's a tell that if they had ironclad information, they would give it to you in a way that is scientifically scrutinizable and it's not. And that's when it comes in very handy when you start getting confused to just find out what's going on in your basket. So if you're in your basket, like, oh, I lost the thread of that. What does Dr. Fauci say? Like, let me just check CNN. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now that's where we're at. Yeah. Because when it gets a little confusing, like who's going to do the research, you know? Right. It's too much to, to go through. But that's why it's good to have your trusted basket. Yeah. And Fauci's still pushing this remdesivir hard. And they're, I think they got it expedited through to go ahead and do trials or something here, more trials and start producing it, even though the one study they did, it did not lower the death rate at all. Did not lower the death rate. It did nothing. It did nothing. RFK was talking about that, yet it is being pushed because it will enrich Fauci. RFK hey man, talks about this a lot in those videos. In, in the closed door meetings, they say, hey, we all know that the best cure for a virus is a placebo. So if we tell people it works and we give it to them, it will actually work. Wow. I mean, it's possible yeah. that they that that's the BS they tell themselves. But it's funny that you mentioned RFK attacking Fauci because Mo RFK wrote an article on April 28th. So I don't know if we talked about it or not, um, but he the article is on childrenshealthdefense.org where he says the name of the article is Critical Questions for Dr. Shiva about his attempts to splinter the health freedom movement. And the article goes into some of the things Dr. Shiva did to discredit some of the really uh, uh, respectable people in the health freedom movement who associate with RFK, including Del Bigtree, who has the respect of everybody I respect in uh, who researches this stuff. And he was a mainstream media guy who ran the doctor's TV show. So like this guy had mainstream media respect also. And I just, the thing with Dr. Shiva that I've always wondered two things. One is he did what you got to love about him and it has value. This is your classic limited hangout A limited hangout is that he, he has a lot of credibility. He's got all these MIT degrees and right out of MIT in his own uh, classroom at MIT, he did a video about the difference between the acute uh, and the uh, innate immune acquired and innate immune systems and how 
Uh, they don't really know how they work. They were never fully studied. Uh, when you inject heavy metals as adjuvants to allow modern vaccines to work, they're using 50, 1950s science and that there could be some um, impact on the gut biome. And, and But there are two things. One, he said, so these things need to be studied. And I thought to myself, he's focusing on that. So either when people say these things need to be studied, I always feel like, it's like Edward Snowden. Like that's not the same as saying we need to take these things off the market or, you know, this is a violation of freedom or whatever is that. And he said, he also said, so I was wondering if he was like teeing it up for uh, genetic editing vaccines instead. I don't know. And then also when he does interviews, he really throws in uh, the term like I'm working against the deep state and all that kind of stuff, which to me is a big fat dog whistle, just like the 3D chess thing, which I did not understand when corporate was like, oh, it's been hijacked. I just wasn't caught up on that. But I, I, it's the Q thing where like anything can be justified under the panacea for the front backdrop of 3D chess, 4D chess, 5D chess, whatever. I don't like that stuff. And I, and th like deep state is, is an expression that go co-opted as being like Obama holdovers. So I recommend people read the RFK article. I found it very interesting, plausible. And, uh, you know, it was just something I had kept my eyes on, but I've got lots more for the patron 15, including something straight out of event 201, yet another headline. All right. And I'm going to tell you about what happened to David Icke and, oh. uh, and Colbert's back in the studio, but not like you might think. Giant murdering hornets. I saw that, actually. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about that. Uh, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. And if you want to get access to that extra content that we publish every time we publish a DMB, go to www.patreon.com slash propaganda report. And for less than 15 cents a day, five bucks a month, you can get access to that content and the virtual parties that we have, which have been a lot of fun. And we accept larger donations to help keep the show moving, help keeping us going. And we will talk to you guys in the Patreon 15 or tomorrow. See you guys later.